0: Rebecca Hazard's first solo show in the gallery is a real showstopper. In this episode, Rebecca talks us through some of the concepts in her work and what led her to these magnificent and monumental paintings. You can learn more about the works and how you can see them for yourself at scottlorry.com where you can also learn more about what inspired this work in an enlightening essay by Dina Yersditch. Rebecca, thanks for joining us on this episode. Um, So before we talk about the show, let's talk about how it all began, your journey as an artist.
1: So I would say it began really in high school, I guess as a child I was always tinkering around and making things or doing paper constructions but I never really thought anything of it and then um, I had this amazing high school with some awesome teachers who had just incredible knowledge and I was really fortunate that there was lots of resources so I was able to do like oil painting and um, design, all this art history um, and I kind of found my love there I guess and I was Um, really experimenting and messing around because as much as there is the curriculum they gave space for you to play alongside of that Um, and then I came out of high school and I went overseas for 13 months I guess and I just visited every art space gallery institution that I could when I was overseas Um, and I always had my sketch pad with me and I had friends at that moment in time who were passing through I guess like Elam and some of your arts institutions um, but I came back and I thought I have all these ideas in my head that I'd like to get out and I wasn't sure um, if, the to, if those spaces were going to allow me to really explore my ideas in the way I wanted them to, so um, I just found myself a studio space, a, a wee little storage cupboard in Art House Ōraki and I've been just working out of there for the last three years, I guess, just playing around and building it up from there is my journey, so yeah. Guess.
0: so the works in this show are an extraordinarily large scale yes <laughs> yeah I understand your studio is absolutely tiny <laughs> how does that work
1: yeah so I think I know it was very ironic because initially I was offered this space and they said it is a storage cupboard so you don't have much space to work and I was working really small initially like painting um, small scale at a desk and I didn't have any um, wall space at home so I was like oh any opportunity of wall space is fantastic even if it is a 2.5 by 2.5 by 2.5 little cube Um, and so I got in the space and I just I guess it is designed it's really dark it has no natural lighting as well fluorescent light is very introspective so immediately there's a sensation of being immersed and I just wanted to extend that to the paintings. so um, I just went and got massive canvas rolls and stretched them as wide as the walls to allow me which is the size of my paintings behind me I guess. Um, so the space has actually played a really key part in the development and the growth of the work I guess yeah but yeah that's really dictated the direction of my work but yeah that's what I'll say about the space.
0: And so have you ever worked in a larger studio space?
1: No, so I haven't ever worked in a larger space, which I think people would assume and think. So this is the first opportunity that the works have been outside of a studio space in a large gallery and able to breathe and commune together, really. Um, I think it's it's been really fascinating working in that small space, and I think it's a really important part of my practice, actually, because um, I think the work I was initially doing, especially in terms of like the subject and concerning subjects within the work, say, so if you're looking at my subject of meat, um, it has really developed and altered the way I've portrayed and discussed kind of ideas within my work. So initially it was looking at subject I guess, much more or smaller. It was something I think you'd see in a kind of typical nature morte or like vanitas, you know, like figurative, objective, um, like full-bodied object and subject in front of you within the work Um, and so at the time I had kind of naively discovered meat and was um, uh, yeah I was putting it alongside all these dead insects and objects and I was um, fascinated about how it was starting to really deconstruct all these ideologies and relationships and so when I was doing those older works and took it into this space this is when it kind of I guess the the nature of the space and its introspective started to grow through the work and then then delving into the meat, you know, so it kind of going close into it and abstracting it and blowing it up in front of you and that just allowed a whole other portal and idea of discussion, I guess, with the work.
0: With the works hung here in the gallery, um, the the scale is is very confronting. You, You know, you sit in front of them and you feel like you're actually in the painting. Um, what's your thoughts on that?
1: Oh yeah, definitely. I, I want you to sit and contemplate and self-reflect. I don't want you to escape. I'm really brutal in that regard, especially with what they deal with in their state, which is very confronting. You know, it's a borderline position where it's something that hasn't decayed yet. It is dead, but it hasn't decayed, so we still consume it and we eat it. But it isn't technically alive, but it is, living in that respect and so when you then and then you blow it up onto the scale as well and it's mimicking your own physicality in its size and scale and space you're you're forced to confront it and and sit with it you know your physicality is mimicked within it and yeah so that's yeah the, the space plays a really important part in.
0: so okay we should ask the big question i guess why meat
1: why meat the the, the big question <laughs> i guess initially quite I kind of naively included it actually in a painting and I was just fascinated at how it would deconstruct con- like different contexts or ideologies. Like when you positioned it say alongside a dead insect, you would then be like, what's the difference between its state and that state of a dead insect? Um, or alongside medals, and then you're deconstructing like these honorary systems and value systems. Um, it was just so fueled within itself. I just kind of became fascinated. Um, and then I started kind of delving into it more, I guess, with ontological intrigue and its um, state of being, where is that borderline kind of very abject position, um, it brings up those discussions that we don't want to socially discuss, you know, it's, yeah, so I guess there was that ontological intrigue, so I really liked that its condition is. It's animal, it is like us. It's a reminder of our f- mortality, our inevitable end, I guess, um, but it's embracing within that. So it's stated, its skin has been removed. So it's very much as cliche sayings of we're all skin and bone, which I love, um, but its, skin re- that, it's skin's its been removed. Um, and so how we usually categorize past judgment um, of the other is then taken away. So it's a space of commonality where we can all commune and play together. You know, it's an equal playing ground, which we can then start talking about other social concerns that have to do with, yes, meat, but also other anything else you can reposition it. So it's for me it's really asking you to empathize with it. You know, it's calling you out. It's being like, hey, I this is what you have done to me. You've got to confront that. You know, you know, you know this is your future. This is yourself. So but it's asking you to remove the idea of yourself and you'll let your ego die and go. So you can sit with it and then go from that, you know, to have conversation together. Um so I guess that's was my that's been that's the base of my discussion and what i really Interested in, um, and then you can start really looking at um, any kind of other context, I guess. So the work. That was the initial with some of them. your meat mounds, like your um, primordial goddess or um, the seeing itself, the works within these shows there, the choreographed meat mounds that are just reflective, meditative and sitting in that state. Um, And then you have some of the other works within the show, um, which you start to experiment with, even just the flesh on flesh as well. Um, So that was something that's really interesting. So I'm in my studio and I just wanted to understand, I was like, I'm trying to understand well, what it is to be alive you know to be to exist at a basic state it's through something which is so constructed as well by um, so i started in my studio squishing the meat into myself and my own Flesh, um, and that's when these really interesting discussions I found started to evolve out of the work, and then you really start paralleling, say, um, your the, the how we value meat and the body, how we value body in general. So paralleling our body as as labour force, you know, that's how we're socially wider, wider kind of valued in context, um, and then and meat as well, which is how we value something to consume. So ultimately, the the body's value and position within society. So. There's lots of different discussions and like, oh, it's fascinating. There's so much to it. Like animals as well, reminding you of our exploitation of nature, you know, calling, calling you out, being like, this is I'm here. I'm looking at you unapologetically, authentically sitting in myself. You're how were you different to me? But my state is because of you as well. You know, you're. it was your hand in that exploitation that got me here. Um, But even though it seems it's very confronting as well and I think it is for a lot of the viewers at the end of the day it's going I know you know I know that this is this is a truth a common truth that we all have to sit with so it's trying to actually embrace you you know in a motherly way and that's what the title is you know it's like honey honey I'm here for you honey yes we're caving I'm caving in you're caving in but like let's sit here and talk about it because <laughs> you know we can't progress and concern anything else yeah so it's my value systems so i guess my moral and value systems at the end of the day
0: so can you talk a little about the title of the show and how that came about
1: yeah sure um so the title of the show is honey you're caving in um my main concern with the title is that I wanted people to humanise and also empathise the work and the paintings because I I guess initially a lot of people through media they see it on their screens and they assume it's hyper-realist and they see that it is meat and so they have a lot of assumptions about the work um, and especially because it's so strongly connotative as well as a subject socially. Um, and so I wanted to try deconstruct and I don't want to reassure people's assumption of that Um, so through the title it was either they can get a sense of it like it because it's very central the show as well it's about sense and embrace and being together so the honey you're caving in honey it normally it's been directed to me usually from someone who's older than me you know so it's kind of wise words that are trying to trying to cuddle you in and envelop you Um, but then also there's that kind of that angst and that existential caving in and dread that the meat and its subject deals with um, which I acknowledge but there's still hope I think within that saying you know honey you're caving but that's okay you know especially I think in our context and wider like social context and COVID times, you kind of need, you know, need that communion. Um, but then also, I guess for some, it seems a little removed as well. And I love that space of uncertainty. I just want people to question as well. So if they come and they're like, I don't get it. I'm like, that's perfect because I want you to come and not have assumptions about it. Cause when you experience them in person, it's so important to, they're so truly more abstract, you know, um, yeah, yeah.
0: So, many of the paintings and the works in the gallery here are of, of meat, obviously, but there are some amazing works here where you've included human flesh and body parts, um, such as the work behind you. Can you talk about that a little?
1: Um, So, with the piece I will feed and close you, that is in the show. Um, Initially, that was quite, uh, I guess, a naive investigation into purely meat sitting on top of our own flesh and body, um, so without that outer skin being removed. Um, So it was me in my studio, (laughs) rolling around on the ground, filming myself, putting the meat on top of me and trying to understand, really, how that sits on top of each other. And um, this image kind of came in my head um, my works at the base of the day, before I construct them, I have a sense of what I want about them. So it's a compositional um, construction. So I knew that it was going to be really intense work having something that's suggestive of the breast, um, and then the meat in the med- middle, which could be like all kind of organal or like organs heart. Um, and so, I, but I don't want to as well necessarily, I don't want to scare anyone away from having a conversation with that work. So um, it's cropped in a really specific way where it's um, quite abstracted so you can still receive and have a conversation with it and it's not so literal that you can fully get what it is at this like from surface value um but the main it was a very simple investigation into flesh sitting on top of flesh to start having those discussions about wider context and um i guess objectification and Um, othering as well so it's not recognizable necessarily with um, any form of identity and sex but just our self because the meat is in a position of something we have othered we have othered socially you know and that's a lot of people's reaction when they come into the space they are so taken aback from it and thrown from it and I wanted to put it on yourself and be like the you know what is the difference in the separation and really also just reflect once again our value system socially like our our body is just you know that's what that's how we're objectively valued as, as labour force, as labour force and meat is in very much the same position as well. Um, but it's also this whole, I don't know, reflecting of, actually, it's nurturing. At the end of the day, it is, it is food. I know people don't consume it, but it is this whole life cyclical process as well that's going on in it. So there's lots of different threads of discussion within the work, but I don't want to give it to you. and That's why I treat and compose as well <laughs> how
0: it is. So, okay, let's, let's talk about technique a moment. I think many people will be interested in, in your technique and the techniques you've used in these works and maybe how that has developed over time. Um, can you tell me a little about that?
1: So in terms of um, my technique and the creation of the work, um, I think you can even see its evolution within the show, actually, from one of the first pieces in my Meat Mound series, which is Seeing Itself, um, near the back wall, That piece is very, that was one of the first ones I did at a large scale, coming from working smaller, so working at a 30 by 30 centimetre and then up into a 2.5 metre. Um, So you can kind of see my, there's a degree of natural (laughs) neuroticism and obsession with detail. um, And I just get lost in the work. And so I want as well people to experience when they come in and experience it physically, I want them to step up close Um, and imagine as well actually the creation of it. Because at the end of the day, it's actually, it's very loose. Um, So people assume there's a a realism or a hyper-realism within that, but I kind of within my technique also want to deconstruct the idea of categorisation, which the meat and objection deals with in itself. Um, In terms of, I think if we look at the piece, say, Dancing in the Wind, um, that shows you more, it's a later stage of how my work has recently progressed. So it's a lot more fluid, a lot more loose a um, lot more visible and um, kind of broader broader stroke so uh, they need to be experienced in person to be able to see that So, um, and then there's a lot more colour play as well so the meat starts really evolving into its own self and its own thing and it doesn't con- concern the idea of subject so when the works are constructed I do um, reference meat say for that base layer, it's my map I say to lay out, to lay the bricks in front of me um, and then So I have that subject initially to reference and then I let go of any of that and you just listen to the work and you play with colour and you let it evolve and it becomes really sensual and visceral within, you know, things ooze and there's that, there's my own desire for what I want the work to be and um, just having a conversation with the work, but it doesn't It steps away from concerning itself with subject or context or anything. Um, And then that's when there's a lot more play, which I'm really excited with in the future, how the colours are going to kind of pop and it starts to abstract and you start to kind of even fall in more to these abstract forms and meets and undulating kind of, I don't know, lovely landscapes. Um, But yeah, it's really interesting. But I think the work as well, that's something technically I'm not concerned with like meat as a subject, which I think would seem ironic since they're all meat paintings. Um, But I'm actually, it's not something I'm interested in at all, and because within itself as well, it's like the meat in terms of discussion is saying to you, um, hey, let's stop othering, you know, (laughs) let's stop othering, I'm trying to embrace you. So I almost want to do that within my technique as well in terms of deconstructing how people can potentially categorize it, which is a big part of experiencing it in person you know and for me but also that's just my experience with the process which is very loose and abstract and I know when you that's a thing when you stand back and experience the work it's so different to being up close um and but yeah this I don't know technically it's just but it's slowly starting to melt into these really bizarre forms I don't know
0: so The Scott Lurie Gallery has moved from Ponsonby to Mount Eden and this is the first main show in the new gallery space here and it looks fantastic. Um, How do you feel about the curation and the space here?
1: I'm so, so happy and like, congratulations to Scott as well for such a beautiful space Um, But and I'm so privileged to be able to show in it But and in terms of how the shows come together, um, I am very much quite satisfied with it because I'm not. I think uh, it's like the accompanying essay that Dina Yezdich did for the um, exhibition Cathedral of Flesh. It very much is a cathedral, and that is what I want. There's not. A main, outspoken centerpiece. You know, they're all sitting together on um, a very equal stage, where you and with the, the kind of the pew-like bench passing through the middle, you can sit and you can be with them and you can pass around it. Um, so, in terms of the cura- curation, there's not meant to be anything that stands out or speaks over top of one another, and it is just a sensation. That's more what my work is about: that sensuality and that physicality of just existing with the works. Yeah.
0: One notable thing here is that none of the works in this show are stretched or framed in any way. Um, They hang from steel eyelets um, from the wall. In in some ways it reminds me, not to be too gruesome, but in some ways it reminds me of um, meat carcasses hanging in butchers. Um, It's very confronting. is, Is that a key part of the narrative here?
1: Oh, it's very much on purpose. I, um, the works don't want to please you, they don't want to be stretched, they don't want to have a glass in front of them or be framed. Um, you've really got to respect the, the skin, you know, and the body of the canvas itself. And so I love also the regularities in the canvas. So you'll see that there's the odd piece that even actually I've left a wrinkle in or so. Like there's the piece um, I will feed and clothe you and you'll see on the left kind of suggestive nipple bit that there is um, wrinkles in the canvas as well. So I love, I don't want them to be um, confined or rigid. They want to play, they want to move around in space with you and they have the potential for that. Um, So I like that, yes in the show they are flat and they are static and pulled back on the wall but there is the potential that you could sling them round, you know, and they could move or their corners could come off and suddenly wrap around you as well. Um, and I like that. I love the irregularity within it. And you're just, yeah, respecting, respecting each of them, because they're each a kind of a being and a portrait in themselves, ironically, even though it's a state of anonymity, they have their own personalities, you know, so, yeah, I love that they have the potential to play, and you gotta, yeah, respect that.
0: Okay, so Seeing the works online or in print is one thing Um, but the scale and the power in these works is quite outstanding and and you really do need to see them in person. Um, When is the show on till? When can people come and see this till?
1: So so Honey, You're Caving In is on till April 2nd um, so another three weeks or so in the space. I would really encourage you to come in and be and sit with them and reflect on them and meditate um, with the works in person, because they are incredibly large. They're all 2.3 to 2.5 metres high, 1.8 metres wide. Um, They're the size of a Baroque um, cathedral altarpiece, you know, almost like eight feet. Um, So you've got to, I think, it's a really important part of the experience um, and might just make you re-question and question your assumptions and ideas about any of the things or the work or um, your value systems. So I would love to you to come in if you can. But in terms of also, I guess, future going ons, there is um, an exciting group show in the space coming up um, in April. And there's the Confessions Project, which is mid-year as well. So keep an eye out for that. Um, And then some other exciting things in the work and technical developments in my studio, which I am, yeah, looking, looking forward to seeing. I don't know what I'm going to create, but it's good. Yeah. <laughs> so.
0: I'd like to thank Rebecca Hazard for taking the time to speak with us in this episode. And be sure to subscribe to future episodes wherever you get your podcasts. And find out more about the Scott Laurie Gallery at scottlaurie.com.